This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast, a summer edition of the flagship podcast here in the hot, sweaty months of June. I'm Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined as always by the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, are you staying cool? I am. Thankfully, we have not had any issues with our power here. I saw overnight there uh, some people in Austin were without power for several hours. So thankfully, fingers crossed, that doesn't hit us here. Um, where I live, we're on kind of a hospital grid. So our power usually is pretty stable, which is good for us, but sad for other people. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we had some power outage uh, a few days ago, and this is not the time for that because no. <laughs> turn into a popcorn kernel. Uh, but enough about us. Hope have, hopefully everyone listening to us is staying cool. Um, and Taylor, let's get right into it because we are, um, well, football season never ends here, of course. And we, we talked a little bit about Keelan Robinson, the, the Alabama transfer commitment um, last week. And we're going we're gonna to get a little bit more into Keelan Robinson because I've talked to some people on the Alabama side who say this kid's a running back. He's a special running back. He's going to be a running back at Texas. Make no mistake about it. And, and so we'll get into that. And uh, we'll also get into the name image likeness law here in Texas that will go into effect July 1st. And this is exciting and new for student athletes, they're going to be able to make money off of their name, their individual name, image, and likeness. They cannot use any university uh, logos, trademarks. They can't be photographed in their uniforms saying Texas, but they can benefit off of their own individual name, image, and likeness. So what does that mean? Um, I've gotten into this in the insider this week at Horns 24-7. Talk to the author of the law. Um, Senator Brandon Creighton, a Republican from Conroe, who authored the legislation and uh, it passed. Governor Abbott has signed it. It will go into effect July 1st. And Taylor, schools and states where these laws are about to go into effect still have no guidelines from the NCAA, which is astounding. Mark Emmert told the New York Times in May that he would have the membership vote on new guidelines by July 1st. It hasn't happened. They have been trying to get Congress to come up with a federal bill that would supersede all these state laws because the state laws are not identical. Um, that and a lot of these state laws push the further guardrails, if you will, or guidelines back on the schools. Well, the schools don't want to 
do anything heavy handed or excessive to start off. Remember, California is not even getting this law until 23. Um, it's chaos, Taylor, is what it is. And we'll, we'll get into that as well. But um, which one do you want to touch on first? Because we're also going to talk some basketball recruiting. Chris Beard is going nuts in the transfer market. And according to our friends at CBS, now has four of the top uh, 31 transfers, all under the UT roof. And it has transformed the Longhorns from a team in rebuilding mode to a team contending for a national title. And Texas baseball opens in the College World Series this week. Where do you want to start, Taylor? I mean, Chip, I think that we got to start with the name image likeness thing. And if you uh, are a member of Horns 24-7, definitely go check out The Insider, uh, which was released Thursday morning. We're recording a little bit late this week. But, um, you know, there's a lot of intel that you received from the person that wrote the law for the name image likeness in the state of Texas. And I mean, I think, Chip, the place that we, I think, have to start is, is this the beginning of the end of the NCAA? If they really don't do any regulation from their end and allow this to kind of be, I mean, think about how we always talk, call the transfer portal, the wild, wild West, this NI, this NIL stuff is going to very quickly turn into the wild, wild West. If the NCAA does not, you know, take charge. And I think that that's where the conversation starts and ends right now is if they don't do this, what is, what's the future of the NCAA? Because at some point they already really are not that great of a governing body for a lot of schools. I mean, they benefit off of their schools that make the most money being good. So they're not, I mean, it's, there are already enough issues with the NCAA and I want your take, you know, starting there on what this means for the NCAA, if these laws go into effect come July 1st and they have not set any type of guidelines for universities. Well, the funny thing is I've been writing since 2016 about how uh, the, the power five need to break away from the NCAA in football and form their own governing body. And they need to collectively bargain their media rights, which they're starting to, to move toward. And I've said, if, if you sell off Thursday night for college football, Saturday during the day for college football, Saturday at night, prime time, um, a college red zone channel, you will bring in revenue similar to what the NFL brings in. And that would allow you to have a name image likeness stipend that the schools would pay to the student athletes that could scale. And the, the NCAA voted on this and they turned it down, even though a federal judge in the Ed O'Bannon case said that student athletes should get $5,000 annually for their name, image, and likeness because they're on the posters for their team calendar, all that stuff. If they would have just followed the federal judge's ruling in that case, none of this would have happened. And Taylor, truth be told, a handful of kids are going to make more than $5,000 a year off of their name, image, and likeness. Some are going to make pretty good money, probably. Right. The really popular, you know, the Tua Tonga Vailoas, the, you know, Bijan Robinson for, for crying out loud. People really like that kid. Um, they'll, they'll Sam Ellinger would have, you know. Sam Ellinger, absolutely. But the gals on the rowing team or the cross country team, I don't know. Some of them may have an incredible following on social media. Who knows the, the one-offs, but for the most part, 
most student athletes and Texas has 500 of them are not going to make $5,000 a year annually. The schools could have voted this in, but the NCAA is 333 members and the lower end schools, the small schools, they don't have the money for this. So they voted it down. The power five does have the money for this. And now they're the ones that are going to have to, to clean up this mess. And that's what I've written about in the insider, because a simple question, Taylor, I focused the, the article on, can a kid start a GoFundMe, an individual GoFundMe, where he or she is just reaching out to their fans saying, hey, we have this new name, image, and likeness ability. If you like me and you like what I'm doing, you can donate here. Right. And, and no one can give you an answer. You know, even the, the Senator Brandon Creighton said, Ah, it's a little sketchy, but the schools can add guardrails. Okay, well, the schools, like we were just saying, the schools are not going to implement guardrails right away because they don't want to they don't want to guideline themselves out of recruiting. Yeah, they um, they would shoot themselves in the foot in the recruiting trail if they're the only ones that are putting these guidelines out and other schools aren't. Right. So I get the sense because I talked to three power five athletic directors, all of whom said a GoFundMe sounds and seems like it's outside the intent of the law, but who knows? We don't have any guidelines from the NCAA. And, and that's where this thing, I think if you, if you're one of those five States that this law is going into effect July 1st, Texas is one of them. I think anything goes, and then it's going to be a matter of, trying to rein it in. And once a kid it gets 10,000 in a GoFundMe account, and then the NCAA comes out and says, no GoFundMes, who's going to tell that kid he's got to give that money back? His school? Yeah. Are you kidding? I and mean, then the, start a war the with- The couldn't even, even at that point. Right. And at that point, I think the, the Power Five just says, you know what? You didn't regulate this at the beginning and- here we go. I mean, it really is almost you're we're looking at a situation where no one regulates it. You know, I mean, they've talked about you got to have contracts. You got to show your school, your contracts for your endorsement deals, no tobacco, no alcohol, no sexually oriented businesses, no firearms. You can't legally purchase as as a student athlete. You know, those those types of parameters, but nothing about what you can make money off of in terms of GoFundMe, OnlyFans, Twitch, TikTok. You know, Twitch, you can get subscribers to watch you stream. What? I could start a Twitch if I'm a student athlete. Watch me train. Yeah. Or I, watch I'm, me play video games. I mean, watch me Twitch play is huge video, for video games. games. Yeah. I mean, F1 drivers have Twitch subscribers watching them play video games and they're making, I mean, who is it? Uh, Landon Norris. Lando Norris, the driver for F1, makes more money off of Twitch than he does from his driving contract. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing what people will pay for. And yeah. Marvin Overshawn asked on Twitter the other night, hey, can we do an OnlyFans? And he listed the, that girl, uh, Bad Baby, who made a million dollars in her first six hours of starting an OnlyFans. And you know, musicians are using OnlyFans to, to play their music for their fans. It's, 
there are a lot of vehicles. And, and if you go to sign up for OnlyFans, it says, hey, interact with your fans and make money. Right. Okay, well, that's what name, image and likeness is all about. So it's clear to me that nothing is clear. So if I'm a student athlete, I'm going to I'm going to start it all. I'm going to start a GoFundMe. I'm going to start uh, OnlyFans. I'm going to do Twitch and and just see how many people come. Yeah, because well, that's where we are. I'm curious with, you know, I know that the there has been parameters where you mentioned kind of the sexual explicit type of content, you know, only fans, a lot of people hear that and that's where they go to, even though that's not all it is. So I'm curious if the NCAA would say no, because this platform can be used in that manner, you know, maybe they won't allow it. I don't know. But one thing, Chip, I mean, think about this. I was thinking about this today before we started recording. Um, these student athletes, a lot of them will go on their Instagram and do an Instagram live video or an Instagram story where it's like, ask me questions. And then fans will send in, you know, or followers will send in questions. They'll answer it. I think that is something, if they have an only fans type of platform, that is something that they're going to stop doing on the free social media platforms. If there's a possibility that they can make money another way. And, you know, I think that's going to be really intriguing to kind of see who takes advantage of that. And if it's allowed, you know, especially if it is an OnlyFans thing. Now, you know, again, I know that it's not only a platform that could be used for weird things like sexually or fetishes or anything like that. However, you know, the NCAA, that's one I think the NCAA is really going to have to look at. Because when DeMarvian Overshawn said that, my first thought was like, oh my gosh, someone take away his Twitter. But then when I start thinking about it, it's like, well, no, there are tons of content creators that use OnlyFans that people pay so that they get individual content from the people that they are fans of. I mean, it, right. it's, yeah, it, and, it's, and it's the a thing smart is, question for DeMarvian Overshawn, honestly, to ask. Right. And this is, this is, this shows you just how antiquated and out of date the NCAA is that you could have one governing body for Texas and Alabama and for, you know, the, the small private schools that don't have anywhere near the budget, the profile of the, of the power five. And you said this, you know, could likely be the beginning of the end of the NCAA. I've long thought that the power five would break away in football. They could keep basketball. The NCAA actually does have the TV contract for basketball. Um, the NCAA has no financial investment in college football that ended in 1984 when Georgia, Oklahoma sued for the right to be able to have their own television contracts. And, and the conferences ended up being the ones to market those television contracts. And that's the model that we have today. But when you get to a, a situation like this, where the schools with the most to gain and the most to lose in this situation of not having clear guidelines for these name image likeness laws and the whole idea of amateurism is on the line here, you have to have leadership guidance. There is no college football commissioner for the power five. You have five different commissioners. This leadership model does not work when we're talking about big business like this for college football. And 
And that's why I've said, if you market your television rights as a group and much like the NFL, you're not only going to have more money and you could probably pull the name image likeness thing back in, although it's going to be depending on who banks and who doesn't bank is going to determine that, but you would have more money for things like better health insurance for student athletes, even after they leave school for a concussion database, which college athletics doesn't have one unified place. I mean, for these student athletes, they have to reap the benefit of all this money that's coming in. And that's where Congress is hung up right now. You've got the Democrats who are now in the leadership um, in the Senate, in the House, who want to do more sweeping type reform of better health insurance for student athletes, where the Republicans are like, no, we just want to deal with name image likeness. And they're at a stalemate. So the NCAA is not going to get their answer from Congress. It's astounding to me that Mark Emmert, and I don't know, by the way, I say this every time I talk about Mark Emmert, I don't know who he talks to because he doesn't talk to the top athletic directors in, in college athletics. He's not talking to Chris Del Conte. He's not talking to Greg Byrne at Alabama. I don't know who he talks to, to get any idea of what should or shouldn't be happening for the power five. It's astounding. But the fact that they have no guidelines and we are two weeks away from state laws going into effect. Um, we have nothing from the NCAA is so damning. It's so indicting of how ineffective the NCAA is from a leadership standpoint that, you know, you and I might as well be, you know, putting out guidelines because at least there would be some guidelines. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like they've just like thrown their hands up in the air and it's like, Oh, we'll, we'll see what happens. And it's like, no, y'all are already kind of skating on thin ice here when it comes to this for everything that you mentioned, Chip. I mean, the power five in football can totally break away and bring in a lot more money from a revenue standpoint, you know, if they're doing their own contracts, their TV contracts, everything like that. The thing that really is astounding to me is that the NCAA has allowed for this to happen. Yet, have they even put anything out for like what schools should be requiring from an education standpoint of finances? Because this is another thing I, I had tweeted about this earlier in the week. You know, when Texas, when Governor Abbott signed that bill, you know, the University of Texas has a whole program set up that's supposed to help student athletes with the finances and that aspect of it. You know, a lot of these student athletes will probably be paid if it's from like, you know, an endorsement deal or something as a 1099 independent contractor, meaning taxes will not be deducted from their pay. And if the schools don't properly manage this, we could have a situation where these young adults enter adulthood and are being audited immediately by the IRS because they haven't been paying taxes and they didn't have proper education on it. I mean, I know business owners who don't know how to you know, save money for taxes and their own businesses and right. they don't know how to do it. And so, right. you know, I think that's another thing. The fact that the NCAA, and maybe I'm wrong, I, don't, I have not seen anything that they have mentioned any requirement of education of that that's i mean that just shows that they're not for the betterment of student athletes because if that's not even on their radar then this i mean that could be a situation that can hurt athletes for years and decades after they graduate just because they got ten thousand dollars in college i mean it's just it's astounding to me 
how lack of any effort or any initiative that NCAA really has taken. And honestly, I pardon me, kind of hopes it is the beginning of the end with them having any type of say over college football, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's long overdue for us to have a college football commissioner. I've, you know, proposed Reed Ryan. I think he'd be great. He understands oh, yeah. the streaming business better than anyone. Cause MLB, and um, that's where all this is going. I mean, it, I don't know if it's this, this go round of, of media renegotiations starting in, in 22, 25, we're, we're going to get an expanded college football playoff before that uh, next round of big TV contracts. But at some point streaming is going to take over the biggest financial piece of the pie from the cable providers like ESPN and Fox and, and that kind of thing. But it's, you're right. And Texas, to their credit, immediately mobilized their leverage program, which does provide for education for student athletes. Look, with name image likeness compensation comes this responsibility, taxes, financial planning. And, and so Texas is trying to tackle that from an education standpoint. It is adding layers and layers of work for the Texas compliance office. Um, one source told me we're planning on expanding our compliance office. We just don't know by how much. And so it's, it's a lot. And each school, uh, because of the NCAA's ineffectiveness and lack of direction is having to take this on themselves. And, but no school wants to make a judgment call on things like GoFundMe, OnlyFans, Twitch, TikTok, because um, one of the one of the um, witnesses at the Texas legislative hearing on this NIL now law uh, that goes into effect July 1st um, was a Texas athlete who has over a million TikTok followers. And that athlete stands to be able to bank from that. And this is a new age, you know, I mean, all this, these, uh, you know, the technological advances of social media. I don't even know if Mark Emerton knows what TikTok is. So, you know, I don't think schools want to be the first one to jump in and say, no, no, no. Right. Because they have to use it as a recruiting tool too. And they don't want to be heavy handed. They, they've got this, they've got the double-edged sword of being first so that, Recruits are going to be like, oh, they already can make money off NIL at Texas. I got to wait till 23 in California. I'm going to Texas. Well, right. they also don't want to hear that. Well, Texas is saying you can't do GoFundMe and no other school is saying that. And that's mm -hmm. where we get into the chaos. But good for the student athletes. And we'll see how the, the grownups handle it once the uh, free market takes over. Um, Taylor, we'll get into it. We'll do Keelan Robinson and love it or leave it. Uh, Texas basketball real quickly. Trey Mitchell, um, big man from UConn, 6'9", 240, played center, averaged 18.8 points, 7.2 rebounds per game. Last season for the UMass Minutemen has committed to Texas. And that now, according to our parent company, CBS, is uh, gives – Chris Beard and his Texas staff, four of the top 31 
rated transfers um, this offseason when you take in Timmy Allen uh, from Utah, all Pac-12 first team, Dylan DeZue, the SEC's leading rebounder last year from Vanderbilt, and Christian Bishop, the 6'7 power forward from Creighton, as well as Trey Mitchell. Those four are all ranked in the top 31 of CBS's top transfers. And then you also have Devin Askew, the point guard from Kentucky, who's rated 84th. Bottom line is Chris Beard said, we're coming in trying to be a, a Monday night national championship program from day one. And they have done it. I mean, this is a top 10 team now, Taylor. You lost Greg Brown, Kai Jones. You may lose uh, Jericho Sims. You may not. If you get Jericho Sims back, in addition to these front court studs like Dylan DeZue, Trey Mitchell, um, Christian Bishop, and Timmy Allen, who I love. I think Timmy Allen is, he reminds me of PJ Tucker. He's just one of these guys that is, he doesn't know he's six foot six, right? He plays like he's six, nine. Um, and then you add the guards who are returning for Texas, Courtney, Ramey, Andrew Jones, Jace Febris, and the incoming, you know, six, 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 seven wing shooter, Jalen Tyson. This is a top 10 team, Taylor. And, and this is what Chris Beard does. He attracts kids and gives them a better opportunity to win while getting coached. And this is what he does. Yeah. You know, Chip, last week on the flagship podcast, we had a love it or leave it, which was who is, you know, leading the charge in the uh, transfer portal between uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Chris Beard. I said Steve Sarkeesian based off of what he's done. I'm not going to focus it off of what Chris Beard has done previously, even though he's been, you know, a, a genius when it comes to that transfer market. But I think I'm going to have to eat my words here because as you mentioned, I mean, having four of the top transfers in the country. I mean, you know, when he was hired, people were like, is he going to even have a roster? Remember? I mean, there was, there was chances that he lost all of his signing or Texas lost all their, you know, recruits that that had committed and the, you know, recruiting classes or whatever. And so, or in the 2021 uh, signing class. And so a lot of people were like, Oh man, this is the bad starting point. Nope. I think it's a in beard we trust here because he's shown that he can coach. He's shown that he can work the transfer portal and he's doing that in year. I mean, not even year one. He's been on the job since April 1st. Yeah. <laughs> so two months. two months, two months, he's been able to do this. I mean, this is a, this is an impressive, you know, run that he has had for sure. And it's, I feel like if anything, Chip, this is such a, an, very positive, um, you know, look for Chris Del Conte with the hires he's made and what they've been able to do, especially so quickly and especially with the big sports. Now they have to prove it once they get on the field and on the court, they have to prove it. But if anything, I think this just goes to show that Texas not only has, you know, possibly, you know, being on the up and coming, both from the football and basketball department, they have an athletic director who knows exactly what he's doing. He's proven it time and again. I mean, my goodness, like when they got Trey Mitchell, you know, it came down between Florida State and Texas and he picked Texas. I mean, that's huge. It's huge. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's really exciting. It's going to be fun. Um, you know, and Chris Beard has said, we're not waiting for the Moody Center to open. We're going to have the Irwin Center rocking this year. 
and he is living up to that. Uh, Taylor, let's uh, let's get to Texas baseball before we get to love it or leave it. Texas baseball uh, handles business in the super regional, takes down South Florida and back to back games. Crazy game one in that that uh, super regional where they're kind of cruising and Ty Madden has done what he needs to do. And in comes Tanner Witt. He's dominant. 11 of his first 12 pitches are strikes. He take, you know, uh, retires the first four batters he faces, but then whip, whap, whoop, and um, three runs come across the plate for South Florida and we're tied three to three. And then um, Texas needs heroics in the bottom of the ninth. They get it uh, with uh, Eric Kennedy hitting a walk-off RBI double and, and Texas wins that game one and then cruises with Tristan Stevens struggling a little bit early, gave up two runs in the first inning. Um, but Texas pulls away in that one and now is in the college world series for the 37th time record, 37th time, 12 more than the second place uh, team uh, in terms of appearances in the college world series. And they get Mississippi state, which is just fraught with irony because Mississippi state is the team that started that Owen three avalanche um, for Texas at the very beginning of the season Game one of the Texas baseball season. That's right. Mississippi State, yeah. And and it was interesting because uh, Mississippi State has sort of a left-handed lineup, and Ty Madden started the game. He struggled. Pete Hansen came in for an inning. He struggled. And we could very well see that exact same formula from David Pierce, although David Pierce is not tipping his hand on this. He, he said – he keeps quoting Daryl Royal saying dance with who brung ya, which would indicate time Madden, but he was asked about Pete Hansen and he said, well, I don't think you want to wait around for your game three guy, especially, or your, you know, number three starter, especially when he's a lefty as good as Pete Hansen is. And I get the feeling it's going to be the same formula of time Madden and Pete Hansen. Maybe it's just Pete Hansen. I don't know. That would be, that would be a bold move by, by David Pierce to, to start the redshirt freshman against Mississippi State. But you got to look at the matchups, and, and so it's going to be fun. The bottom line is no one has Texas's pitching depth, uh, the quality of their starters, one through three. Now, Vanderbilt has one and two. They might have the number one pick in the MLB draft next month in Jack Leiter, and, but Vanderbilt's in bracket one. Texas has to get out of bracket two, which has Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Virginia. Tennessee is a scary team. They're playing hot. They got great senior leadership. They, they hit well. They're, they, they're kind of like Texas. But this is going to be so much fun, and it's interesting that they're going to play the last game of the first round, if you will, of the College World Series on Sunday night at 6. David Pierce noted that in 2018 when they went – for his first time as a head coach, they played the very first game of all the games in Omaha and it was too much and they got overwhelmed. They got beat by Arkansas. They got beat by Florida in the, in the second game. It was two in barbecue David Pierce, whose team is already in Omaha. You mentioned we were recording on Thursday. They went up Wednesday. Pierce didn't even want to go Wednesday, but because of NCA protocols, testing, they had to go Wednesday. He's like, we may go to the zoo on Thursday. <laughs> Omaha has like one of the top five zoos in the world in an aquarium. One of those aquariums with it's like all glass and sharks are swimming over you. 
but it's um, it's going to be fun to watch this team, Taylor. They they are they're hungry and they they're talking about winning it. David Pierce said that's the difference. We we were happy to be here in 2018. We're coming here to win this thing this time. Yeah. You know, Chip, I, it is intriguing to see what he's going to do from the pitching rotation for game one, because, you know, I understand time at he came out, he performed against um, South Florida, you know, did his job was really solid throughout the entire game. But if you are facing that many lefties in your, you know, the batting lineup from Mississippi state, it almost is more beneficial to go with a Pete Hansen, but it's a risk. I mean, it, the, it, this is a, this is why coaches get paid a lot more than we do because they have to make those type of decisions. There is a part of me that really, I feel like would consider going with Pete Hansen in game one, if they're facing a, you know, Mississippi state roster that has a lot of lefties because lefty against lefty is not an ideal situation. You know, I mean, there's a lot of baseball players that are left-handed that can't hit off of lefty pitchers. And so you know, this is going to be really intriguing to watch. I think it's going to be exciting. This baseball team has been an exciting team to follow, you know, and it's such an, a great story also, Chip, from David Pierce's side of it. You know, people wanted him fired after that 2019 season. And then they start off 0-3 and the calls for his head were, you know, louder than ever. And, you know, it's just really intriguing to see that he not only has just stuck to his guns, and really just continued to perform. But he also did so with the same staff that he had in 2019. He didn't make coaching changes. You know, he could have easily, you know, ousted his staff and started over, you know, had a restart and he didn't. And this is just, you know, I think that it's a fun team to watch from all aspects of it. And it's really fun, I think, for us to cover because we know the ins and outs of the people who wanted him gone in 2019, one year after making the College World Series because of that one down year. I mean, this is just... I'm excited. You know, I mean, I, I like college baseball. I always have, I'm a baseball, you know, from a baseball family. So it's something that is natural for me to watch. I always joke. I uh, have watched more baseball games in my lifetime than I care to ever admit because it'd be embarrassing to know, but I mean, I'm really excited to see this. I am especially so because of the Pete Hansen time add thing. I mean, I'm just really curious what David Pierce is going to do there because as I said, it's hard not to go lefty against lefty hitters. If there's a lot of them in the lineup. Well, and he, he controls his slider on both sides of the plate. You know, he he can he can throw it inside to lefties. He can throw it inside to righties. And that slider was borderline unhittable uh, at the end of the regional when he pitched against Fairfield and had 13 strikeouts. And that was sort of the last time, you know, we saw him because Ty Madden and and um, Tristan Stevens handled business in the super regional. And so I agree with you. I think this is going to be very interesting because we know those sec teams hunt fastballs and that's where Ty Madden is either great or he gets, he gets hurt because if yeah. he's lacking control at all with his fastball, Mississippi state made him pay in game one of the season. They'll do it again because that's what they do. I just think it's fascinating because Pete Hansen and Tristan Stevens, for that matter, with, with that power sinker ball, it's not a fastball that throws off teams. And so we'll see. David Pierce is not tipping his hand any sooner than he has to. So we'll keep uh, our eye out for that. And of course, when we um, 
have our flagship podcast next week, we'll, we'll certainly know a lot about uh, where Texas is in this two-week-long process. Taylor, you're, you are from a baseball family. Your dad, you know, member of the Miracle Mets in 69, scored the game-winning run uh, in game four of that World Series. Your brother was a first-round pick of the Detroit Tigers. You've been to Omaha. Yes. And you know, it, it's a long drawn out. It's a two week event. Oh yeah. And yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta have a, a team that's together and, and then you gotta have depth. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of it, I think you have to have fans that are willing to stick it out too. Cause that's huge, you know, uh, especially in this type of setting, the college world series setting. Um, when I went to Omaha, I didn't even have a return ticket when I went because uh, the team that I was there to support, they made it to the college world series. They actually beat Texas in the college world series back in uh, 2004. It was Cal State Fullerton. Taylor's from yeah. California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, you, it's also very, I think crucial to have fans that are willing to kind of stick it out too. And um, you'll have families obviously that will, but that that's an element to that. It's such a fun trip. I mean, I wish I could go cover this seriously. Like I kind of was wondering, like, kind of hoping like if Jeff's not going, I'm going to volunteer myself because it's just, and it's, it's an experience in itself. The cultural series is, um, and especially if you have an exciting team. And I think Texas this year has a really exciting team. I like what David Pierce had, you know, he kind of said um, the 2018 team that made it to the college world series. He mentioned that they were, kind of overachieved because they got hot with, you know, Cody Clemens had a huge year and David Hamilton had a solid year and they kind of pieced the rest of it together. That's not what this Texas team is this year. Texas is a much more complete team from top to bottom. As you mentioned, has probably one of the deepest pitching rotations in college or in the college world series or entering the college world series. I mean, this is a team that can go the distance if they can kind of keep their focus, keep their mind right. And from everything that they've shown, especially later on in the season, I think that's what you're going to see from Texas. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that makes me a little nervous is I would go with Cole Quintanilla as my first guy out of the bullpen, just because he's an older guy. He's been through the ups and downs. I understand Tanner Witt is a star and is a flamethrower. I just, you know, Two of his last outing, well, to really his last two outing, well, dating back to the Big 12 tournament, he got hit in Oklahoma City and then he got hit again, you know, against South Florida. Now he was dominant for the first four batters he faced. And and David Pierce has said he's about 45 pitches. And then he starts, his fastball starts to come up a little bit. We got to get him out of there. But Cole Quintanilla has been the best on the team this year out of the bullpen. I know they, I know baseball managers are, or coaches are superstitious. They like to stick with their routine. Tanner Witt has been great too, but in the postseason, it's a different animal. We'll see. Um, heck, our man, uh, Houston Street was dominant as a freshman. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as well. All right, Taylor, let's get to some love it or leave it. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. We're going to take a really quick break, but we're going to return with love it or leave it. Definitely want to stick around. We're going to talk about some Keelan Robinson, maybe make some predictions on his uh, touches this year, as uh, well as, you know, talk about some more football talk because football season never ends here on the flagship podcast. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Chip, you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Throw it at me. My first one for you is love it or leave it. Keelan Robinson will get at least 125 touches this season as a running back who can also catch the football. You know what, Taylor, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to love this. And I know that's a lot. Um, but I get the feeling after talking uh, to my sources close to the Alabama program about Keelan Robinson, that he is more of a presence as a running back on this team. I mean, the source I talked to and I quoted in the insider last week said he's much better than Roshan Johnson. Now they're different. Keelan Robinson is lightning. Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson are thunder. Now, some would say Bijan is is a all around can run over you, run by you, Ricky Williams type. I don't argue with that. But if Keelan Robinson is that good, the comparison was to Kendall Hunter of Oklahoma State. Kendall Hunter is Oklahoma State's number four all time leading rusher ahead of Barry Sanders. Now Sanders only played three years. Kendall Hunter played four. But, um, you know, Kendall Hunter was a superstar. He ran for 1,500 yards in two of his college seasons and caught over 25 balls a year. So I'm going to, I'm going to love this. I could be crazy. And at the end of the year, everyone could say, Chip, what were you thinking? But right now, I'm going to step out on that limb and I'm going to say, I love this. Okay. Taylor? I think I'm going to have to leave it. I mean, okay, so let me let me ask you this. If he gets 125 touches, how many does B. John Robinson get? Well, and that that could be 75 to 100 carries. I still think Bijan gets 200 plus carries. I think he is the bell cow. But I think if if there's a series where, um, you know, Bijan needs a rest or a third down where he needs a rest, I think it's Keelan Robinson more than it's Roshan Johnson. I think Roshan Johnson's going to get a series here and there. Uh, he's a leader. He needs to be on the field. Uh, he needs to have a role, but. And you can flank, um, you can motion Keelan Robinson out to a receiver spot. I just don't see him as a full-time receiver. And I know that was some of the speculation because he was listed as a running back receiver in Alabama's spring game. Um, At least the sources I spoke to said, this kid's a running back. And they think Sark knows he's a running back. So that's, I still think Bijan gets over 200 carries. Okay, so you say 125 touches between receptions and carries. Right. I could see like 75 carries. Well, no, I could see so I could see 75 to 100 carries. Cuz remember Sam Ellinger got a bunch of carries that we have to account for that could could now be going to Keelan Robinson, you know, 100 carries and 25 catches. Okay. Okay. Um yeah, I think I'm going to I'm going to leave it. I'm going to play the the safe card here a little bit. Um, you know, I think 
it's going to be really intriguing to watch. That's the one thing, you know, because when we talked about this a lot on last week's episode of the flagship podcast about, you know, what this means, not just for, you know, Texas future, but for the running back position. Cause I think a lot of people, they saw that like, well, whoa, what about the other Robinson, you know, that's on the roster. I think it's going to be really, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian knows how to get the ball into playmakers hands. That's the one thing he has proven time and again as an offensive play caller. So it's going to be really intriguing to watch, to see how they spread the ball around um, both between Bijan Robinson, Keelan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, in addition to the other receivers. Um, I'm just going to play it safe and I'm going to leave it and say he will have fewer than 125 touches, but I'll probably eat my words, honestly, because if uh, Steve Zarkeesian can piece together the type of offensive performances that he did in the last two years, Alabama, then I think there'll be plenty of plays for the ball to be distributed to a lot of different playmakers on the team. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two. All right, number two, Vegas is putting Texas win total at seven and a half for the 2021 season. The Longhorns exceed seven and a half wins in 2021. Love it or leave it. Listen, this, this schedule is tough. This schedule is tough. It's the fourth toughest schedule in college football, according to ESPN's power index. Um, you know, we... We can laugh and joke about Louisiana, but that's a 10 and one team with all the players coming back. Arkansas has everyone coming back. They're playing at Arkansas. TCU owns Texas, won seven of the last nine. OU is the, what, six-time defending Big 12 champ. Iowa State beat Texas in Ames the last time they played there. Texas has to go to West Virginia in late November. I mean, I'm going to say they exceed seven and a half. I've said hope for nine, you know, and hope that one of those is OU. Hope, hope that one of those wins is OU. Um, but I'm going to say they exceed it, but kind of barely. Yeah. I mean, and, and if they get hot and they come storming out of September, great. It could be a 10 win season or better. I don't know. But right now, Based on what we've seen the last several years, I'm going to say barely. I'm going to love this, but barely, Taylor. Yeah, I agree. So basically, you and I are saying we're going to love it because Texas is going to win eight games, right? <laughs> instead, yeah, of, I mean, instead of the seven and a half mark, we're going to go with eight. <laughs> the, the odd numbered years are not great for Texas, except for 2005, of course, but and 2009. But you play at TCU, you play at Iowa State, you play at West Virginia. Yes, you get Oklahoma State here in Kansas and Kansas State, but TCU's been a problem and Iowa State's been a problem. And Iowa State, we know, is one of the, the two. Um, they won the regular season last year. So, and Brock Purdy and everyone's back at, uh, at Iowa State. So, all right. I'm going to love it, but barely. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm going to agree with you on that one. All right, Chip. I have one more for you here. Final one. We're going to switch it to baseball. Um, in their opening game of the college world series, Texas exacts revenge on Mississippi state for the eight and three loss UT suffered against the bulldog bulldogs to open the season. Love it or leave it. I'm going to love this Taylor. Um, I think this is the kind of game that Texas needed to 
sharpen their focus. They've seen this team. They know what they're up against. Um, Mississippi State has a, a dominant, dominant reliever in Landon Sims. And he's a guy who wiped them out last go round. And he's, he's been dominant. Christian McLeod, who's likely to start for Mississippi State, has been hit. He's been hit some. And you can get to him. But Landon Sims is the guy you got to watch out for. He's, uh, man, McLeod's a lefty. Sims is a hard-throwing righty. But I think Texas, knowing what they're up against, and maybe a surprise appearance from Pete Hansen, a new and improved Pete Hansen from the guy that was struggling to come off of COVID-19 way back in February. Texas gets it done, Taylor. I'm going to love this. You? I'm going to love it too. I think that, you know, the, the opening season loss to Mississippi state, I mean, there was a lot of extenuating circumstances that the ice storm had just happened. mm -hmm. I mean, they, they couldn't even practice before that. Then they faced three straight top 10 teams. Um, We talked about it back then, you know, we were like, just be patient here. I know that's not a word fans like to hear, but be patient because I think this team's impressive and they've proven to be that. I think that for sure. I think, they're going to want to make that opening season wash or a loss, you know, kind of a erase it from the memory of Texas fans. And, um, you know, I think they have the squad to do it. It's going to be, I think it's going to be an excellent matchup. I mean, it's probably one of the tougher matchups I think that Texas probably could have had because they have both faced each other. You know, I mean, that's something to keep in mind too. Not only does Texas know what Mississippi state has, Mississippi state has seen Texas. They didn't see Texas as what it is, Today, though, and that's where I think Texas has a little bit of the advantage there. So I'm going to love it and say Texas gets some revenge from the Bulldogs and uh, takes game one of the College World Series. Yeah, the team that scares me the most in this bracket is Tennessee because mm-hmm. they are they're red hot and they have really strong um, senior leadership, some blood and guts guys. They're in they, they've got two senior infielders um, who are just raking at the plate right now. So we'll see. They get um, Virginia to start things off. All right, Taylor, great stuff here on the flagship podcast. Uh, Everybody get over to horns 24 seven, become an annual member. Recruiting is off the charts. There's breaking news every day from our, our gurus, Mike Roach and Nick Harris, Nick um, doing great work on the basketball recruiting front. In addition to football, uh, and Roach is, is all over it. So uh, don't delay. Get over to Horns 24-7. Join the family. And, uh, and thanks again for listening to us here on the Flagship Podcast. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.